Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Capital, my dear Watson. Let us return to our humble abode. 221B Baker Street, please, Cabby. From London, we present The Sussex Vampire, a play for radio based on the short story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. The Sussex Vampire. It was uh, evening of a dull, foggy November day. Following our usual custom, Sherlock Holmes and I had taken a stroll about the streets adjoining Regent's Park, but the poisonous brown air had driven us back, thankfully, to the warmth and comfort of the sitting room at 221B Baker Street. As I stretched out my toes to the welcoming blaze, Holmes read cheerfully a note which the last post had brought him. Then, with a dry chuckle, which was his nearest approach to a laugh, he tossed it over to me. <laughs> but a mixture of the modern and the medieval, of the practical and the wildly fanciful, I think that is surely the limit. What do you make of it, Watson? Ah, let's see. Forty-six old jury, November the 19th. Sir, our client, Mr. Robert Ferguson of Ferguson and Muirhead Tea Brokers of Mincing Lane, has made some inquiry from us in a communication of even date concerning vampire. Vampires? Go on. Uh, as our firm specializes entirely upon the assessment of machinery, the matter hardly comes within our purview, and we have therefore recommended Mr. Ferguson to call upon you and lay the matter before you. We are, sir, faithfully yours, Morrison, Morrison, and Dodd. The postscriptum to that letter, which you failed to read out, my dear Watson... Oh, sorry. <laughs> ...advises us that the gentleman himself will be calling upon us at ten o'clock tomorrow morning. Oh? I fancy he may be able to throw some light upon what is worrying him. Hello, Watson. Ah! You don't look quite the man you did when I threw you over the ropes into the cloud at the old deer park. <laughs> Ferguson, it's you. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh. uh, well, 
I never for one instant connected the name. It, it, it's Big Bob Ferguson, Holmes. Oh, how do you do? How do the you? finest three-quarter Richmond ever had. In those days, I played for Blackheath. Watson, you amaze me. There's no limit to your versatility. You could scarcely picture me playing rugger as you see me now, Mr. Holmes. No, Watson, I fancy. <laughs> oh, but face it down, Mr. Ferguson, and tell us what brings you to us. Thank you. Now, may I ask where you live? Lumberley, Sussex, south of Horsham. The house is called Cheeseman's. I know that part pretty well. Full of old houses called after the men who built them. Oddleys, Harveys, Carritons. <laughs> uh, Cheeseman's. Yes, that's so, Watson. Mm. But uh, I'm not here on my own behalf. Oh? No, I'm uh, acting for a friend. I see. Oh, pray let us have the particulars, then. Yes. This this gentleman married some five years ago a Peruvian lady. He'd met her during a business trip to South America. She was... She is very beautiful, but, uh, well, what with her alien ways and so on, it seems as though there are sides of her character that he can never hope to explore. In short, he's come to regard their union as a mistake. I see. She remains as loving and devoted a wife as a man could wish for. But at the same time, she's begun to show some curious traits, quite unlike her general nature. Of what kind? Well, uh, my friend had been married before. There's a son of 15 by the first marriage, a charming and affectionate lad, unfortunately partially crippled in a childhood accident. Now, on two occasions, my friend's present wife had been caught in the act of assaulting this poor lad in the most unprovoked way. Good heavens. There's also a child of the present marriage, a dear little boy, just under a year old. On one occasion, about a month ago, this child had been left by its nurse for a few minutes. A loud cry from the baby called her back. As she ran into the room, she saw her employer, my friend's wife, leaning over the baby and apparently biting its neck. Horrible. There was a small wound in the neck from which a stream of blood ran down. The nurse was so horrified that she started to call for the husband, but the lady implored her not to and actually gave her five pounds to keep silent. Hmm. Pray continue, Mr. Ferguson. As you can imagine, this made a terrible impression on the nurse's mind, and she began to keep a close watch on her mistress. It began to seem to her that even as she watched the mother, so the mother watched her. And that every time she was compelled to leave the baby, the mother was waiting to get at it. Day and night, the nurse covered the child. And day and night, the watchful mother seemed to be lying in wait as a wolf waits for a lamb. Incredible. Yes. That's how it must sound to you, Watson. Yet I'm not exaggerating when I say that a child's life and a man's sanity may depend on it. My friend well remembers the day when the nurse's nerve gave way and she told him everything. To him, it seemed as wild a tale as it may now seem to you. He knew his wife to be a loving wife and a loving mother. Then why should she assault her stepson and wound her own dear little baby? 
He told the nurse that she was dreaming, that such libels upon her mistress were not to be tolerated. Whilst they were talking, a sudden cry of pain was heard. Another? Nurse and master rushed to the nursery together. Imagine his feelings. As he saw his wife rise from a kneeling position beside the cot and saw blood upon the child's exposed neck and on the sheet. With a cry of horror, he turned his wife's face to the light and saw the blood all around her lips. It was she, she beyond all question, who had drunk the poor baby's blood. Great heavens! So the matter stands. And, and my friend appeals to you, Mr. Holmes. His wife is now confined to a room. He himself is half demented. It's, it's vampirism, Mr. Holmes. Mr. Ferguson, I will examine your case with pleasure. My... Oh, no, I... No, Come, I... sir, this agency is not a home for the weak-minded. I see it's no use my pretending to be anyone's deputy. It is simpler to deal direct. Forgive me, Mr. Holmes. You can imagine how difficult it is when you're speaking of the one woman you're bound to protect, to help. I understand. Then what am I to do? How am I to go to the police with a story like this? And yet I must protect those youngsters. Is it a madness, Mr. Holmes? Something in her blood? Have you experience of any case like it? For pity's sake, give me some advice. I'm at my wit's end. Now, now, sit here and pull yourself together, Mr. Ferguson. And just give me a few clear answers. Yes. Yes, of course. I can assure you that I am very far from being at my wit's end. And I am confident we shall find some solution. Tell me what happened after you discovered your wife in this act. We had a dreadful scene. I suppose I raved at her. She seems horrified. She, she wouldn't even speak. She, she only looked at me in a, in a wild, despairing sort of way. Then she rushed to her room and locked herself in. Since then, she's refused to see me. Who attends to her once? A maid, Dolores. Also Peruvian? Yes. She's been with my wife for some years. She's more of a friend than a servant. And the child? Uh, the baby? The nurse has sworn to me that she will not leave it night or day. As for poor Jack, the inoffensive little cripple, I only hope if she comes out of her room, he won't happen to be near at hand. What uh, exactly is his complaint, Ferguson? Some injury to the spine... He can get about, but only in a limited sort of way. And yet you say your wife, who is of a loving disposition, has assaulted him twice? In what way? She struck him savagely. Hmm. This maid, Dolores, had been with your wife even before your marriage, I take it. Oh, yes, quite some time. Then she might know more about your wife's character than you yourself. I suppose so. Hmm. Well, I fancy I may be of more use at Lamberley than here. It's eminently a case for personal investigation. If the lady remains in her room, our presence cannot annoy or inconvenience her. It's what I'd hope to hear you say, Mr. Holmes. Ah. There's uh, there's an excellent train from Victoria, too, if you could manage it. With pleasure. Watson comes with us, of course. Oh, of course. Delighted. There are just one or two points I should like to be sure about before we start. Uh, yes? This unhappy lady, as I understand it, has appeared to assault both her own baby and your son. That's so. But the assaults have taken different forms. Did she give no explanation why she'd beaten your son? Only that she hated him. 
Well, it's not uncommon among stepmothers, you know. I know. There's never been any love between them. Is your wife jealous by nature? Highly. But the boy, uh, he's 15, I understand. Yes. And probably very developed in mind since his body has been circumscribed in action. Didn't he explain the assaults? He could find no reason. I see. Uh, no doubt you and the boy were great comrades before this second marriage. Oh, yes, indeed. He was my greatest comfort after the loss of my first wife. And the boy remained devoted to the memory of his mother? Most devoted. Hmm. Most interesting, lad. Now, I have one final inquiry to make of you. Yes. Were the strange attacks on the baby and the assaults on your son made at the same time? Yes. Ah. In the first case, that is. It was as if... As if some frenzy had seized her and she'd vented her rage on both of them. But on the second occasion when she attacked my son, she made no attempt on the baby. Oh. Well, that certainly complicates matters. I don't quite follow you. Uh, possibly not. One forms provisional theories and waits for time or fuller acknowledgement to explode them. However, I'll only say at this stage that your problem does not appear to me to be insoluble. The ancient farmhouse in which Bob Ferguson dwelt proved to be a large straggling place, very old in the centre, very new at the wings. An odour of age and decay pervaded the whole crumbling building. The large central room into which Ferguson led us was a most singular mixture. The half-panelled walls may well have belonged to the original yeoman farmer of the 17th century. They were ornamented, however, on the lower part by a line of well-chosen modern watercolours. While above, where yellow plaster took the place of oak, there was hung a fine collection of South American weapons which had been brought, no doubt, by the Peruvian lady. Holmes, with that quick curiosity which sprang from his eager mind, examined them with some care, and then turned his attention to a spaniel, which came slowly forward from its basket in the corner. It walked with difficulty to Ferguson and licked his hand. Dear me. What's the matter with your dog, Mr. Ferguson? That's what's puzzling the vet. A sort of paralysis. Spinal meningitis, he thought. But it's passing, isn't it, boy? <laughs> You'll be all right soon, Carlo, eh? Did he come on suddenly? In a single night. How long ago? About uh, four months. Very remarkable. Very suggestive. What do you mean, Mr. Holmes? It confirms what I'd already thought. For heaven's sake, what do you think? Look here, this may be just an intellectual puzzle to you, but it's life and death to me. My wife a would-be murderer, my child in constant danger. Don't play with me, Holmes. I'm afraid there is pain for you, Mr. Ferguson, whatever the solution may be. I would spare you all I can. I can say no more for the moment. But before I leave this house, I hope I may have something definite. Well, I... Please, God, you may. I ask your pardon, Mr. Holmes. Now, if you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I'll go up to my wife's room and see if there's been any change. Come on, Carlo. Well, Holmes? A charming old room, Watson. Just look at those old beams. Magnificent. Holmes? 
See that iron fire screen? 1670. Yes. And all these fascinating weapons and trinkets. A most interesting collection, my dear Watson. Holmes, I do wish that you... You, sir, uh, please. Uh, me, yes, uh, yes. You are doctor, sir? I am. Oh, my mistress, very ill. She no want food, very ill. She need doctor. You are Dolores? See, 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 Would your mistress see this gentleman? Oh, she need, sir. She see him, I say so. But she will not see Mr. Ferguson? No, sir. Watson? Yes, of course, I'll go. It'll be of any use. Oh, sir, I thank you a thousand times. You follow me now, sir, quick. She like that one day, two days. I'm afraid she'd die. Dolores, Dolores, is that you? See, see, Oh, who? Who are you? I am a doctor, ma'am. A doctor? Did my husband send for you? Where is he? He's in the house. He's only waiting for you to say you will see him. No, no, I will not. Oh, what shall I do? What shall I do with this fiend, this devil? Madam, I'm here to help you. No one can help. It is finished. All is destroyed. Whatever I do, all is destroyed. No, madam, your husband loves you dearly. He is deeply grieved at what has happened. Do I not love him, then? Do I not love him enough to sacrifice myself rather than break his dear heart? Yes, doctor, that is how I love him. And yet he can think such things of me, speak of me in such a way. Oh, ma'am, he, he doesn't understand that... No. He does not understand. But he should trust me. No, no, I cannot forget those terrible words, nor the look on his face. But I can promise you, ma'am. No, I will not see him go away. You can do nothing for me. Very well. Tell him only one thing. I want my child. I have a right to my child. That is the only message I can send to him. How the devil can I send the child to her? How do I know what she might not do to it? I'll, I'll never, never forget seeing her beside it with its blood on her lips. No. The child stays with Mrs. Mason. Where is she? Oh, Daddy. Jackie, my boy. Come in, lad. I didn't know you were home yet, Daddy. I'd have been here to meet you. Now, that's all right, old chap. I came home early because my friends, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, have come to spend an evening with us. Hello, Jackie. Is that Mr. Holmes, the detective? <laughs> None other, my boy. How do you do, Jackie? <laughs> and what about your other child, Mr. Ferguson? Might we make the acquaintance of the baby? Come in. Oh, I beg your pardon, sir. Hey, no, uh, wait, Mrs. Mason. Don't go. Very good, sir. Uh, I just brought baby for his good night, sir. Well, I didn't know you was engaged. <laughs> Here he is, Mr. Holmes. Your request attended to in an instant. Now, 
Isn't he a fine little fella? Grand little chap. Mr. Holmes. Holmes! What do you think of him? Huh? Oh, my word. Uh, yes. Yes, his father in miniature. <laughs> do you think so? Eh, Watson? Well, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, without a doubt, Holmes. <laughs> well, Jackie, <laughs> I'm sure you like your little brother. Uh, uh, Jackie has uh, very strong likes and dislikes. Uh, luckily, I am one of his likes. Am I not, lad? You know you are, Daddy. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mrs. Mason. That'll be all. Thank you, sir. Good night, little one. You'll keep him safe. You can count on me for that, sir. <sighs> Dear little thing. Fancy anyone having the heart to hurt him. Quite, quite. Now, uh, go along, Jackie. These gentlemen and I have important matters to discuss. All right, Daddy. Don't be too long. No, I won't. Uh, poor boy. Mr. Holmes, I'm beginning to feel that I've brought you on a fool's errand. Oh? What can you possibly do? Say, give me your sympathy. This whole affair must appear most exceedingly delicate and complex. It is certainly delicate, but I haven't been struck up to now with its complexity. Have you not? It's been a case for intellectual deduction. But when this intellectual deduction is confirmed point by point by quite a number of independent incidents, then we can say confidently that we have reached our goal. Reached our goal? I fancy, sir. I had, in fact, reached it before we left Baker Street. The rest has merely been observation and confirmation. For heaven's sake, Holmes, if you can see the truth in this matter, don't keep me in suspense. What's it all come to? What shall I do about it? I don't give a hang how you found your facts, so long as you really have found them. Oh, certainly I owe you an explanation, and you shall have it. But you'll permit me to handle the matter in my own way. But I don't see... Uh, is Mrs. Ferguson capable of seeing us, Watson? Well, she's ill, but she's quite rational. Yes. Very good. It's only in her presence that we can clear the matter up. Let's go to her. But she won't see me. Oh, yes, she will. Oh, excuse me one moment, Mr. Ferguson, while I just write this. Um, Watson, mm -hmm. uh, you at least have the entree. Have the goodness to give the lady this note. Oh, very well. Mr. Ferguson and I will follow in two or three minutes. I fancy she'll be ready enough to receive us by then. Come in. Come in, gentlemen. Please, come in. My mistress will see you. Darling. No. No, do not come near me. But, Holmes, all in good time, Mr. Ferguson. Oh, I think we can dispense with Dolores. No, no. She must stay or you must go. Oh, very well, madam, if that is what you wish. Now, Mr. Ferguson, I'm a busy man with many calls on my time, and my methods have to be short and direct. The swiftest surgery is the least painful. Let me first say what will ease your mind. Your wife is a very good, a very loving, and a very ill-used woman. Mr. Holmes, prove that, and I'm in your debt for life. I will. But in doing so, I must wound you deeply in another direction. I... I don't care, so long as you clear my wife. 
Everything else on earth is insignificant compared to that. Then let me tell you the train of reasoning which passed through my mind in Baker Street. The idea of a vampire was absurd to me. Such things do not happen in criminal practice in England. And yet, your observation was precise. You had seen the lady rise from beside the child's cot with blood on her lips. I did. Didn't it occur to you that a bleeding wound may be sucked for other reasons than to draw the blood from it? What? Wasn't there a queen in English history who sucked such a wound to draw poison from it? Poison? Here was a South American household. My instincts felt the presence of those weapons on your walls downstairs before my eyes ever saw them. It might have been some other poison, but that was what occurred to me. When I saw that little empty quiver beside the bird bow down there, it was just what I expected to see. What are you saying? If the child were pricked with one of those arrows dipped in curare or some other devilish drug, it would mean death if the venom were not sucked out. But I don't understand. And the dog. If one were to use such a poison, wouldn't one try it first in order to see that it hadn't lost its power? I didn't foresee the dog, but at least I understood why he was crippled, and he fitted into my reconstruction. Good. Now do you understand? Your wife feared such an attack. She saw it made and saved the baby's life. And yet she shrank from telling you all the truth. For she knew how you loved the boy and feared it might break your heart. The boy? Jackie? I watched him as you fondled the baby downstairs just now. His face was clearly reflected in the glass of the window where the shutter formed a background. I saw such jealousy, such cruel hatred, as I have seldom seen in a human face. My Jackie. Mr. Ferguson, it's more painful for you because it is love, a distorted, maniacal, exaggerated love that has prompted his action. Love for you and possibly for his dead mother. His very soul is consumed with hatred for that delightful baby. Its health and beauty are a contrast to his own weakness. It's... It's incredible. Have I spoken the truth, madam? How could I tell you the truth, Bob? I knew what blow it would be to you. I could not. I could not tell you. I understand. Oh, my darling, I hadn't the faith to trust you. I suspected you at once. I accused you. Called you all those vile names. No, no more, dear. But I... You were not to know. I think a year at sea would be my prescription for Master Jackie, Mr. Ferguson. By heaven, you're right. Only one thing puzzles me still, madam. Yes? How could you dare to remain silent and leave your baby open to another attack? Oh, I had told Mrs. Mason everything. She knew. Ah, I thought as much. My darling, what a dreadful experience for you. And you. I did not know what to do. Oh, oh there, there, there. Now, it's you all over know. now. I quite understand. Watson, this, I fancy, is the time for our exit. If you will take one elbow of the two faithful Dolores... What are you doing to me? I will take the other. I think we may leave your friend and his wife to settle the rest between themselves. I've only one further note of this case. It's the letter which Holmes wrote in final answer to that with which my narrative began. It ran thus. Baker Street, November the 21st. Re-Vampires. Sir, referring to your letter of the 19th, 
I beg to state that I have looked into the inquiry of your client, Mr. Robert Ferguson, of Ferguson and Muirhead, tea brokers of Mincing Lane, and that the matter has been brought to a satisfactory conclusion. <laughs> With thanks for your recommendation, I am, sir, faithfully yours, Sherlock Holmes. That was The Sussex Vampire by Michael Hardwick, based on the short story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes was played by Carlton Hobbs and Dr. Watson by Norman Shelley. Production for the BBC was by Graham Gould.